speaker, uh, when he's also a child of God. And uh, I, th- I love, I think the thing I love the most is the fact that she comes, she's spotting people she knows, isn't she? You're blowing kisses whilst I'm... Um, the thing I love is that she carries the kingdom. When she speaks, she speaks of a kingdom. And she speaks like she, she knows God personally, and she does. So there's a real authority that comes with that, and I know you're going to enjoy that. But a couple of books... Uh, after this morning, so Leading as Sons and Daughters, uh, that's your latest one that's come out, excellent book, and secondly, Naturally Supernatural, another excellent book that Wendy's written, and you can get these uh, through our bookshop, you can write a note on a Connect card, put it in and we'll order you one, uh, or you can speak to someone at the Connect point as, uh, as anything else, and then also coming out of uh, King's Bedford is Sustainable Power by Simon Holly, I found this on my, bookshop, my bookshelf this morning and I just thought this has done me so much good, I've got to raise the profile of this one as well, so not written by Wendy, but you had some input, um, and an excellent book, so Wendy, why don't you tell us some more about yourself and introduce, but why don't we give her a round of applause coming down. Good morning, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. It's so, so good to be here. Um, thanks so much for having me and for having us as a team. It's such a privilege to be with you all and um, bringing love from King's Arms. Uh, we're launching a new location this morning, so I'm eager to hear how that all goes back home. But yeah, it's so wonderful to be with you all. And um, I was trying to remember the last time I was here. It's uh, years ago. I can't exactly remember, but I, I know um, a few people among you guys, and I know um, Sarah and Pete Benton. Uh, that they're that's so fun seeing they're doing great in Berlin, good friends of mine. So, yeah, it's just fun to be among family. And uh, just to tell you a bit more about these two books, um, just so you know, we've actually bought some with, with us. So you can buy them from us directly after the meeting if you like. And you can pay by card if you want. Hello, Mum and Dad. Oh, there's my Mum and Dad. I didn't know they were coming this morning. Stand up. Yes, my Mum and Dad. Good morning. They live in Worthing, so sneaky. Um, So this book, Leading Your Sons and Daughters, has been out about a year. And uh, really, I wrote it um, to talk about when you're leading, and the truth is all of us lead in one capacity or another. Um, I talk about how you can either lead out of an orphan heart or you can lead as a son or daughter and they make a massive difference. Whether you lead as an orphan or a son or daughter makes a massive difference. So this is £10. Uh, This one I wrote a few years ago, and really God spoke about there being an anointing on this book so that if people read it, it wouldn't just be information, but that God would really help to equip them to do the stuff that Jesus did. And so I've heard several stories of that, which is brilliant. This is £7, both together 15 Bargain. Absolute bargain. So you can get them at the end of the meeting if you'd like to. Brilliant, right? I'm going to just pray for us, and then we'll get going. Father, we just uh, thank you so much for your presence. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you that you love to meet with us. You love to come and meet with your people. And, uh, yeah, Father, we just invite your presence to come increasingly in this place. God, we we don't want to just hear words or get more information. God, we want to meet with you. We want to be changed by you. And uh, so, Father, would you come and speak to us and change us as a result of this morning? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to speak to you guys this morning about um, the kindness of God. 
the kindness of God. Um, a big part of my journey in terms of my relationship with God has been learning to know that he is a perfect father, that he's a good father. He's not just a father out there, but he's a father to me. He loves to father me personally. And uh, the truth is that he's a father to all of us and that he is a kind father, that he is really kind. And so I want to talk about the kindness of God through the life of Joseph. And uh, I want to talk about the kindness of God in prison seasons, in seasons of pruning, and in seasons of plenty. And I want us to look at the fact that God is kind in all of those different seasons. And actually what's important for us is that we learn to recognize his kindness and we learn to receive his kindness no matter what's going on for us. And if you're here this morning you don't yet know God and you're kind of looking in and wondering what's this all about, um, you've come on a great morning because you're going to learn about the kindness of God. And uh, he's excited that you're here because he wants to reveal his kindness to you. And at the end we're going to pray. And I think more than anything, God wants to reveal his kindness to us. He doesn't want us to know his kindness as a concept. He wants us to experience his kindness. So, you ready? Sure? Okay, good. So, we are going to look at the life of Joseph. And I'm going to dip in and out of different passages, but around about Genesis 39. Um, So, you can follow me if you'd like to. And... uh, Well, let's first of all look at God's kindness in the prison seasons. The truth is, if you know anything about Joseph, he had amazing promises from God. So God spoke to him about being in a position of significant leadership and authority. And he knew that he had those promises. In fact, he had a few dreams and he told his brothers, probably quite unwisely, you guys are going to bow down to me. And they didn't like that. Um, But he carried these promises from God. But his trajectory to getting to those promises wasn't a straight line. I don't know if you've got promises from God that you're still waiting for and you just would like it to be like a, oh, I'm just going to get slowly and slowly better and closer and nearer to those promises and I'm going to step into them without any problems or challenges. Anyone experience that? Joseph's trajectory of stepping into his promise was more like this. So what happened was God reveals to Joseph he's going to have a glorious future. That's the promise. Then what happens is Joseph is sold into slavery. You must be, he must be thinking, what on earth is going on here? God, you said. And look at this. Then he prospers in Potiphar's house. So he, again, gets put into position of leadership and he's doing okay. Then what happens? He's thrown into prison. And again, he must be thinking, hang on a minute. This is the promise that God's spoken over my life. Now I'm in prison. It was only when he came out of prison that he has made the ruler in Egypt under Pharaoh. And so Joseph's journey into his promises are a lot like our journey into the promises over our lives. It's a lot up and down. And if we're not careful, we can look at the down times and think, God, where on earth have you gone? Without realizing, actually, he wants to be kind to us in those times as well. And so at at Joseph's, Joseph's lowest point, he ended up in prison, even though he hadn't done anything wrong. He was totally innocent. He'd been accused by Potiphar's wife. He'd been put in prison, but he was completely innocent. Now, I don't know about you, I would have found that really annoying. I would have been really offended with God. I would have been like, what are you doing, God? I didn't do anything wrong. I shouldn't be here. This is so unjust. But what we see, and when we read the scripture, is that God was kind to Joseph in the prison. Let's read it in Genesis 39, verse 20. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness 
and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Isn't that amazing? God's kindness was with Joseph in his prison season. What I find remarkable about this is that Joseph would have had to have been looking out for the kindness of God in the prison. Because it would have been actually so easy for Joseph to be offended with God and miss the kindness that God wanted to show him. In other words, miss the opportunities that God wanted to give him to step into a place of leadership and influence in the prison. Joseph would have had to have been looking for the kindness of God, recognizing the kindness, responding to the kindness. I don't know about you, but if I had been in Joseph's position in the prison, looking for God's kindness would have been the last thing on my mind. And yet God's kindness was there. The truth is that all of us in this room carry promises from God. We all have promises over our lives that God's spoken to us. But as I said before, often the trajectory to that promise is sometimes confusing. And we would much rather it be like this. And it's often like this. But the truth is that even when we find ourselves in prison seasons, we can look for and recognize the kindness of God over our lives and see that he is doing a good work. You know, some of you here this morning, you might feel like you're in a prison season at the moment. It can look like a whole host of different things. Health challenges. You know, we suffer when we suffer with sickness, so we have to watch those we struggle with, uh, those we love struggle with sickness. It can feel like a prison. You can feel stuck and trapped. Financial challenges. You know, when you struggle with finances, you're in debt. You can't make ends meet. That can feel like a prison. Relational challenges, facing difficulties in our marriages, our friendships, or with our kids. Or struggles with sin or addiction that make us feel like we're trapped and we're stuck in a prison. Many of us in this room are potentially right now in prison seasons. The truth is, God's nature never changes. The Bible tells us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is perfect in his kindness all the time. No matter what you're going through, he never changes. And he wants to pour out his kindness on you and to show you his kindness even in the prison. Let me give you a recent example from my life to show you how this works out. So uh, back in July last year, um, or just before July, I found out, to cut a long long story short, but I found out quite, quite unexpectedly that the doctors were recommending that I have a full hysterectomy. And uh, I am, um, have never, never been married, not had my own children, and so it was a massive deal, like a really massive deal for me to hear that from the doctors. And uh, it felt like a, a pr- I entered into a prison season, and uh, there were lots of unknowns, lots of, you know, what's going to happen afterwards, how am I going to be, you know, going to be chucked straight into the menopause, um, and so there was a lot to wrestle through internally in terms of confusion and mystery and what's going on, God. And it's important that when we're in prison seasons that we, are get, we get, with, get real with God about how we feel. I'm not saying we look for his kindness and ignore what we're actually feeling. It's important that we connect with how we're feeling and we deal with that and we grieve when we need to grieve and we express pain when we need to express pain. But when I look back, even as I was traveling through it, I could see the kindness of God 
all the way through it. So, for example, on the day that I was waiting in the hospital to see the consultant to find out the news, I saw a friend of mine or a lady I knew walked past me who worked in that department and I had no idea she worked there. And she came and sat with me and we'd had a conversation. And I didn't know the news at that point, but what it did mean, she was a Christian from a different church, what it did mean was when I'd heard the news about what needed to happen, I could text this friend and find out some information from her, which was just the kindness of God. It was the kindness of God in that season. Uh, when, I, when I found out the news from my particular consultant, um, he, was a, he was a great guy, but there was just something in me that I just felt a bit, I just didn't feel completely comfortable with him. And I'm sure he was absolutely fine. You know, when you've got someone telling you who you've never met before, you need to give you a full hysterectomy, and you're just a bit like, I just want to feel a bit more comfortable with you. I remember saying to God, God, I'm sure he's great, but if there's anyone else that you want to give me, I'm up for it. And then I got an email from the hospital saying, oh, this person's not actually going to do your surgery. You're going to have this person instead. And I messaged my friend who I'd seen. And I said, what's this person like? And she immediately messaged back and said, oh, she's the best. She said, if I, ha if I had to have surgery here, I would have her. I would choose her. And I was just like, wow, it's the kindness of God. The kindness of God in my life. Um, also, because I had her, I was able to have a different incision than the first consultant said I needed, which was the kindness of God. And uh, also, um, I remember hearing that I possibly was going to recover on a ward called the Orchard Ward. And I remember the morning before I went to the hospital, I felt God said to me, you are going to recover on the Orchard Ward, and it's a prophetic statement of the fruit that's going to come out of this time. And uh, when I came round, I heard them say, oh, yeah, we're going to take her to the orchard ward. And God spoke about a prophetic promise. In fact, yesterday, I saw a friend of mine who said, I had a vision of, of you in August, which was when I was recovering. She said, I saw you in a garden of your own house, and there was an apple tree, and the apples kept on popping up and falling on the ground, and you were trying to carry them in your dress. And you were putting the apples in your dress, and they just, as, as much as you could get them, then just more apples, like, and she said, you were just laughing hysterically because the fruit was ridiculous. She told me that yesterday, and it reminded me. That's what God said to me. I would recover on orchard ward, and there would be massive fruit as a result. It's the kindness of God. Was it, was it an easy season? No, it was really, really difficult. Really, really difficult. But in the prison, the kindness of God, all the way through, he's always pouring out his kindness to us. And I think the key for us is, are we looking for his kindness? Are we looking for his kindness? Are we recognizing his kindness? Or have we become too focused on the prison doors to see where God is being kind to us? So, First thing we need to realize is that God is kind to us even when we feel like we're in prison. He's there and he's being kind. Second thing we can learn is that God is kind to us in the pruning season. And I know you're really excited to hear about this. So let me tell you all about it. So Joseph succeeded in the prison. He was recognized as a leader. He was put in charge of the other prisoners. He found favor. Uh, but he was still stuck in the prison. But then what happened was we got the whole scenario with the cupbearer and the bread maker, the baker. And they both have dreams and Joseph is able to interpret them, isn't he? And he says to the baker, it's not good news. 
I'll paraphrase, but to the cupbearer, he says, you're going to be reinstated in your position. You're going to serve Pharaoh. And then he says to the cupbearer, when you get, in, get, get restored into your position with Pharaoh, remind him of me, because I'm, you know, I'm here unjustly. Remind him of me so that he can sort all this mess out. And you read that in um, Genesis 14, verse 40. Um, it says, when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Okay? And I bet Joseph was thinking, this is my moment. He's, I've interpreted the dream. He's going to go back to Pharaoh. He's going to remind him of me, show me kindness. I'm going to get out and get back on track with the promises of God. What actually happens is the cupbearer forgets Joseph. He does get reinstated into his position with Pharaoh, but he forgets Joseph for two more years. Ouch! Joseph is left in prison for two more years. That has got to hurt. But how many, of you, how many of you know that this is a brilliant opportunity for Joseph to be pruned? If he can keep focus on God, keep his eyes fixed on him, this is a brilliant pruning opportunity for him to get him ready for what was to come. When someone else gets the breakthrough you're longing for, it's a great pruning opportunity. When someone else gets the breakthrough you're longing for and you feel like you're still stuck where you were, it's a great opportunity for pruning. Can you celebrate their breakthrough and let God prune your heart and get you to a deeper place of trusting him? When someone you help to succeed enters into the blessing that God's got for them and they forget you, it's a great opportunity for pruning. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's a great opportunity for pruning. Joseph helped the cupbearer succeed. So remember, remember me, cupbearer forgot him. It's a great opportunity for God to work on your heart and to prune you and to shape you and to get you ready for what is to come. When someone else receives justice in their life and you're still waiting for your justice, it's a great opportunity for pruning, to surrender to God and to trust him with your heart and with your life. And the truth is, there are opportunities everywhere for us to be pruned if we will just look out for them. And when God prunes us, it's his kindness to us. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it will be even more fruitful. Did you see what happens here? Every branch that is bearing fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it will be even more fruitful. Here's the great news this morning. When God prunes you, it's not punishment. When God prunes you, when he puts his finger on an area of your character that he wants you to work on or whatever it might be, it's because you're already being fruitful. Did you realize that? When God prunes you, it's because you're already being fruitful. Why? Why does he prune you? Because he wants you to have more fruit. He wants you to be even more fruitful. It's the kindness of God when he prunes us and when he works on our hearts. Truth is, Joseph was already fruitful in the prison. It was already fruitful, he already knew God's favour, he already knew influence, but God needed to prune him to get him ready to lead a nation. 
He was leading in the prison, but God needed to get him ready to lead the nation. And it's so important that we recognize that God is being kind to us when he prunes us. And when you understand the nature of God and you recognize that he is kind, you can actually invite his pruning. I remember hearing someone speak once, Heidi Baker, I don't know if you've heard her, but she was talking about the pruning of God and uh, she just really knows God's kindness and goodness and love and she, she knows him as a father and she said, when you understand that God's being kind to you when he prunes you, you can say to him, God, cut me. <laughs> cut me, chop me up, prune me, do something, do whatever you want in my heart. Why? Because I want to be even more fruitful for you. Are we recognizing God's pruning in our lives? Have we perhaps seen it as punishment Whereas actually it's the kindness of God to make us even more fruitful. I remember a situation several years ago now where I started to um, pray about getting a house. I've been house sharing for many, many years. And I was like, maybe it's time for me to get myself a house. So I um, I've got, had a pretty good deposit and I started to ask God, God, would you provide me with the extra bit that I need? And um, I started to pray for some money, um, which is always fun. And so I was asking God, would you, would you provide this money? And I kept praying, kept asking, and hadn't seen any particular breakthrough. And then my housemate, who's um, about uh, 10 years younger than me, one of my housemates at the time, um, suddenly had a phone call from her family. And on the phone, um, they said to her, oh, your grandma wants to give you 30 grand. And your brother wants to buy a house with you so you can have a house in Bedford. And she came off the phone and she told me, oh my gosh, my grandma's just given me 30 grand and my brother wants to buy a house, we're going to buy a house in Bedford. And um, (laughs) on the outside I was like, oh that's great, wow, brilliant. And on the inside I was like, God, you missed. I was the one who was praying for the money. I'm the one who kind of got it wrong. She hadn't even asked for money. She, hadn't be, she hasn't been saving for years and years and years. She hadn't done anything. She hadn't done anything to get money to buy a house. She wasn't even thinking about it. And uh, that was annoying. And that, how many of you know that was a good opportunity for pruning? And what it showed, what popped out of me was not such good fruit. And so God just needed to come and cut that and prune me so that I could celebrate with her. The wrong thinking I had was, if she gets 30 grand, there's nothing left for me. That's stupid, isn't it? God's got all the money in the world. It's all his anyway. He can do anything just like that. And so I had to get with God and just say, God, I'm sorry for that bad response. It's, it's funny, actually, because now I'm actually her lodger. And... Uh, <laughs> It's working out all right for me, actually. So it's working out all right. But what's interesting is God knows what he's doing, doesn't it? Doesn't he? He knows what he's doing. And actually, two years on, I've actually just changed my hours in my workplace. So I've dropped down from four days to two days uh, just so that I can travel more. And part of what I'm doing is trusting God for money. And uh, honestly, if I had a house, I wouldn't be able to do that, I don't think. God knew, didn't he? And now what's happening is I'm actually seeing God provide amazing, amazingly. I've got several people gifting me money every month, which is just so overwhelming and humbling. But it's releasing me to do the stuff that God's really called me to do. Isn't that amazing? In the moment, the pruning felt rough. But I feel like God's put a deep trust in me for money and finance, whereby I'm like, 
God's got it. God's kindness is with us in the pruning. Some of you might feel like you're in a pruning season. I feel like I just want to encourage you. Encourage it. Say, God, thank you for pruning me. Thank you that you're doing it because I'm fruitful. You know, if you're being pruned, you should be encouraged. You're being fruitful. He just wants you to have more fruit. So he's going to prune you. Isn't that amazing? Kindness of God. And then lastly, and then we're going to have a chunk of time to pray. God's kind to us in seasons of plenty. You know, the great thing is that prison and pruning seasons can change into seasons of plenty just like that. So Joseph went from the prison to the palace overnight. It's amazing. He went from leading in the prison to overseeing a nation just like that. And that can happen. Genesis 41 verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you because he'd interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Isn't that amazing? Just like that, he stepped into a season of plenty. And God's kindness means we can expect those moments of breakthrough. It's like that. It's a breakthrough where our situations and our circumstances turn around just like that. That happens because God is kind. And he wants us to step into the promises over our lives. But I think there are two possible errors that we can fall into when it comes to seasons of plenty. The first one is this, the error of entitlement. I think when it comes to seasons of plenty, we can fall into the error of entitlement where everything revolves around us. And when we look at God's goodness on our lives, we make the conclusion, I deserve that. It is about time I stepped into my season of plenty. It's been a long time and I deserve better. And so there can be a heart of an entitlement in us. It would be like Joseph coming out of prison and Pharaoh saying to him, I'm going to put you in charge of the nation. And Joseph saying, well, it's about time. It's about time I've been in the prison. I've been wrongfully accused. I shouldn't have been there. I should be in this position of leadership over the nation. That would be entitlement. You don't see a hint of that in Joseph. You don't see that at all in him. You don't see any entitlement. In fact, what you see is Joseph remembering and pointing to God's kindness to him. Because actually when he names both his kids, he calls one of them Manasseh, which says, which means God has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's house. The other one is Ephraim, which means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. He's pointing to God and recognizes it all because of his grace. He did nothing to deserve it. He did nothing to earn it. It's all happened because of the kindness of God in his life. And it's in seasons of plenty, it's so important that we remember to point to the kindness of God and get really thankful for his kindness and to realize that the only reason we enjoy any blessing at all is because of his kindness. We don't deserve any of it. You have done nothing to deserve the breath you are breathing. 
as a gift. It's all because of his kindness. It's interesting, I remember uh, as I was preparing this, I remember thinking to myself, I've got a brilliant story to talk about in terms of the prison and the pruning. And I was like, what can I talk about in terms of seasons of plenty? I remember going to my housemate and saying, I'm not, I haven't got a particular story I could share about a season of plenty to illustrate it. And she very helpfully reminded me that that is because most often I live in a season of plenty. <laughs> I just forgot because I take it for granted. Truth is, most of us live in seasons of plenty that are dotted through with prison and pruning. But most of the time, it's plenty. to live in. I've got a job that I love. I can go on adventures with Jesus. I've got plenty of money. I'm in good health. Most of the time, I'm enjoying a season of plenty. It's just that I forget to remember that. I forget. I forget to say, God, thank you for your kindness to me. Thank you for your kindness to me today. Thank you that I woke up in a warm bed. I had a good sleep. Thank you for your kindness to me. Entitlement will stop us seeing the kindness of God to us in the everyday. And we've got to remember, most of the time we're in a season of plenty. Every so often we go to the prison and we have pruning, but mostly it's plenty. Is that your perspective? I think the second error we can fall into, so if entitlement is one error, I think the second error we can fall into when it comes to plenty is false humility. We can struggle to receive the kindness kindness that God wants to show us because we don't think we deserve it. Or we think, wow, I shouldn't get it. They should get more blessed than me. Or whatever. It would be like Joseph coming out of the prison and Pharaoh saying to him, I want to put you in a position of leadership over the nation of Egypt. And Joseph saying, oh no, I couldn't do it. That's not really for me. I don't want to step into that position. I think so-and-so should do it. Give it to the cupbearer or whatever. But again, you don't see any hint of that in Joseph, do you? Don't see any hint of false humility. Pharaoh says to him, I want you to step into this position of leadership. And what you see Joseph do is step through the door that God's opened up to him and receive it and accept his kindness, accept God's kindness. Joseph had learned to recognize and receive the kindness of God in the prison and through the pruning, and now he was recognizing and receiving the kindness of God in plenty. The truth is, obviously, that none of us deserve anything. Sorry if you think you deserve something good. <laughs> Truth is, the Bible says to us that before we said yes to Jesus, we were objects of wrath. Have you remembered that? We, we deserved nothing. We were separated from God we, with no way back. We turned our backs on God. There was no way back to relationship with him. But God so loved us that he sent Jesus. And Jesus died in our place and dealt with all the sin and all the separation and all the mess so that we could come back to the Father, come back into relationship, be adopted into his family. But we did nothing for that. It was Jesus, actually, who called us by name. You know, some people say, I found Jesus. Well, it's not actually, 
It's not actually true. He, he was the one who called you and you just said yes. That's why grace is so amazing. We've done nothing to deserve it. We've done nothing to earn it. And yet God pours his kindness over us all the time. All the time he's being kind. He gives us hope. He gives us joy. He gives us peace. He pours out mercy. He forgives us. He calls us to do the stuff Jesus did. We can step out in power and authority. His kindness is all around us. And the reality is that he wants to be kind to you. And so the mindset of false humility of, oh no, not me, give it to them, is wrong. Because he's a good father, he wants to be kind to us. And when he pours his kindness over us, we should be like, Father, thank you so much. And wow, thank you for your grace. Actually, the more you allow yourself to receive God's kindness in the plenty, the more revelation of his grace you can get. When, when we're singing about amazing grace, you know that very famous song? just want to ask you, are you actually feeling like when you sing those words, you're feeling that grace is amazing? I think sometimes I, I come into worship times and I feel like we're just singing words, but we're not really connecting with the truth. When we sing amazing grace, something in your heart should be like, ah, it's amazing. You're like, amazing grace? No, we've missed it. Grace is amazing. And God wants to pour out his plenty on us. Pour out his kindness on us. Whatever season we're in, whether we're in prison, whether we're being pruned, whether we're in seasons of plenty, if you're in a season of plenty, which most often you are, remember to thank him. Remember to open your heart to say, yes, God, I receive all that you want to give me. Uh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I receive it all. And then let it stir your worship. And give it back to him through your worship. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to pray. Why don't we stand together? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So, can we have the guy playing the keys? Or someone? <laughs>